This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. morning to you. Mike McNamara for a Monday edition of Ballmer Radio. And uh, serious stuff going on in the world. Stuff that I would tell you that I believe puts the rules-based order that has existed on the planet since the end of World War II at risk. And um, so Grant Newsom's going to join us here. And, uh, and Germany is essentially betraying NATO, selling out Ukraine for an economic relationship with Russia, which puts NATO in jeopardy, if you can imagine such a thing. So that's what we're watching. So uh, without further ado, uh, joining me right now is the one and only Grant Newsham. Joining me uh, on this Monday is uh, Grant Newsham. Grant, how are you? Mm, fine, thanks. Glad to be here. All right. Always nice to talk. Um, what time of the year is it? And uh, can you give us the muggy uh, heat index? According, what say ye to that? No, it's actually nice this time of year. Um, there's like a good time of year and it doesn't, it isn't quite as like steam bathish at the, you know, Joliet, Illinois Country Club. Uh, <laughs> so it's actually pretty good. It's I uh, say it's the winter is not bad, so so uh, daytime high is oh seventy ish. It doesn't get oh, so hot. Yeah, yeah. that's pleasant. You know, and I mean, a little bit of humidity in the seventies is is always a nice thing, right? It's kind of yeah, or even it, could be cooler. You know, at night. Wow. You know, yeah, you, 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 know, you could actually wear a jacket. Oh, and, oh. and wear socks as well. So, <laughs> so, uh, Ah, funny. The um and officially you're in still in Taipei. Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, I know I've asked you this before. 
but uh, um, somebody asked me in passing, uh, does Grant have a favorite uh, place in the uh, in the Pacific? So if, if he was going to give us tourism advice and we were looking to go someplace in the Pacific, where would he tell us to go? So do you give travel um, advice, Grant? Oh, yeah, everybody gives travel advice. If you, if, you, if you don't want to come back, go to Hong Kong. But uh, no, I was joking. Hong Kong that. used to be the place, though, right? Yeah, it really used to be. You could yeah. get a, it felt like William Holden-esque and yeah. that sort of, that old, had used to have that old feel. But I think that's closed forever. Right. And uh, I, I would say, and I haven't been there for a while, but Penang, Malaysia oh. used to be one of my favorite places. Why? Uh, oh, it has that exotic feel. You know, it, it actually it kind of is Hong Kongish, oh, in really? a little way, in a way, because it uh, you know has a big hill behind it, and you take a actually the kind of um, what do you call those things? Uh, tram. Tram. Tramway. Yeah, yeah, it had one of those. It goes like twenty times slower than the Hong Kong, <laughs> but it's Malaysia, and uh, and you they have. You know, obviously, there's sort of beachfront stuff, and it's just pleasant. But it uh, has a Chinatown. And oh. you could actually walk through this Chinatown, like it's particularly around sunset or when it's getting dark, and you can actually, like, see the the neighborhood activities ongoing. You can look right into people's houses, and they're, you know, eating Chinese food. And, uh, you know, the families together and they, you know, you could even see like um, like the little neighborhood place would have a be showing a film up on like a sheet as a screen and people would be sitting around watching it. And it, it had that that feel to it. You know, it really was more like, oh, 1950 Malaysia than modern times. Um, it may have changed a lot since you know I was last there, but I don't know that it that much. Uh, particularly with the Chinese virus and the lack, um, sort of putting everything on hold. But as a Penang was a sort of a well-kept secret. And the in Malaysia, I think, is a place that I've always liked, particularly if you get off the off the beaten path. Uh, that you know, and it's you know the weather is it's not quite as hot as hell in Malaysia because it has mountains. Uh, actually, and it's so it's a very attractive uh, place. Um, and there's a place called Cameron Highlands, which I always liked, though that has gotten developed a bit. But um, it's Highlands, and you know the British peoples used to go up there to get cool, uh, and would have so you'd have these bungalows, and and that's where Jim Thompson disappeared, actually. Uh-huh. Which, if anyone's listening who knows that, they'd I'd be besides you, I'd be surprised. Um, but you know, speaking well, of Jim, now, yeah, now uh, explain to everybody who Jim Thompson. He was a guy who had been in the OSS in World War II, and after the war ended, he stuck around in Southeast Asia and set up in Bangkok. And he's the guy that sort of gets credit for refurbishing the or revitalizing the the Taiwanese, excuse me, the Thai silk industry. So he's called the Silk King, or such like. And um, there was always rumors that he still had government connections. And then I think it was in the 50s sometime, he went down to on a vacation to Malaysia, to Cameron Highlands, uh, to cool off, no doubt. And he no doubt. went out and was staying in one of these um, uh, bungalows. And he went out for a walk one afternoon and he never came back. 
And there was all, so there was all, all sorts of, you know, theories like a tiger ate him or, um, you know, he disappeared for some new, you know, CIA job or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, or something like that. So, you know, some, and, or he just, you know, got hit by a truck and some Chinese guy who did it was scared and buried him and no one found him. But they did have, uh, they did look for him and they had, uh, you know, some of the, the uh, uh, aborigines, the indigenous trekkers, you know, go in and look for him. And they didn't come up with anything, which is always surprising, but you never know. Um, but the, a funny story about this is that um, we had a family had an old friend who had been very high up at the CIA. And he was a Southeast Asia guy. And he was long retired, but he was, you know, he was active when Jim Thompson thing happened. And I actually went, I went to visit him and I forget, maybe like 2004 or five uh, at his house. Cause I had been to the Cameron Highlands. I'd taken my sister and her daughter there for a vac- to visit. And I'd taken a photograph of the bungalow from which Jim Thompson left. And I, um, you know, so I went and, to see our friend and, and he, uh, you know, I showed him the picture and I said, you know where this is? He goes, no. And I said, well, this is where Jim Thompson was last seen. And then I asked him, do you have any idea what happened? You know, thinking that you know, he was old enough by then that he, you know, maybe some secrets aren't as secret as they used to be. And he says, nope, if you ever figure it out, let me know. So he had no idea uh, what happened. But it's one of those, you know, those uh, whodunits or, that everybody sort of enjoys. But if you, if you like Southeast Asia stuff particularly that pre-war and post-war era that jim thompson's a very interesting story his house is still in bangkok uh it's kept like it was i guess they think he's going to show up someday but it's a it's very nice um so so the whole thing's the whole thing's never solved never uh -uh. and i I thought there was going to be some kind of uh end of the story he turned up like 50 years later and he was living in uh katmandu He'd become With a Elvis. He'd be, yeah, yeah, he'd become a Buddhist monk or something. Like that. You know, it could be, but I don't. I have no idea. And uh, say it's, it hasn't been solved. And I've asked everybody I could possibly think of, and I, you know, I. I don't know. So you become fascinated with this? And... Well, not in, a, you know, in the sense that I could talk about it on All Marine Radio for a minute or two. <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, I don't live and breathe it. But I, you know, I just enjoy reading about other people's efforts to solve these things. Uh, and, uh, but say, if you go to his house in Bangkok, it's well worth it because it's uh, like a quiet, cool respite from, you know, concrete Bangkok these days. And you can see what the the town used to be, the city used to be like. The um, breaking news. So just so everybody knows this, uh, we record this on Sunday evening Pacific time, uh, Monday morning to Grant. And so breaking news to uh, within the last couple hours is um, the U.S. State Department tells families of U.S. diplomats and some non-essential personnel in the Ukraine to leave uh, the first paragraph the decision comes as Russia continues to build up its forces near Ukraine and US officials have warned that an attack could come at any time um, and so uh, what's been interesting in the last week Grant is there's been uh, I want to say a German I want to say the head of their Navy made statements that you know 
the Crimea is never coming back. Uh, Putin just wants respect. And he resigned uh, within the last 24 hours after he made such statements. Um, also, Germany undercut efforts by uh, NATO nations to get arms to Ukraine. And so uh, a couple stories. In, in, and I'm, I'm like, I am, I think the... If, there, if, if I don't lead the anti-Germanic element of the United <laughs> States, I don't know who does. Um, and a headline in the Wall Street Journal, um, an opinion piece, is Germany a reliable American ally? Question mark. Next word says nine. Berlin goes its own way, prizing cheap gas, car exports to China, and keeping Putin calm. And so and Germany is being... Germany's done this for a while, and they're being exposed now on a very, very critical stage. Another story in the Wall Street Journal, Germany's reliance on Russian gas limits Europe's options in Ukraine crisis. Berlin is vulnerable if the West sanctions Russia over Ukraine and Moscow responds by cutting off exports. Um, you've been watching this uh, spool, and those of us who are familiar with uh, uh, military history in this part of the world know that um, Mr. Putin has a window that uh, he he has to um, move in because once the spring thaw comes to that part of the world, nothing moves and his mobility, his his operational mobility will be greatly restricted and, and uh, all you have to do is read a little history to find out about what happened to the Germans and and also what happened to the Russians when they tried to move in those conditions. Um, so he's got a window. Um, and obviously, if the United States is issuing this order, they're watching it, whether it be refuelers move or lo lo logistics that were not in the area move into the area that would tip Americans off that something is getting ready to happen. Or maybe they heard something electronically. Um, so uh, give me your thoughts as you watch this, Grant. Um, on this grand stage, uh, Vladimir Putin's um, saying that NATO is a, is a, an, an aggressor relative to Russia, um, uh, moving his forces much like he did against uh, Crimea uh, a few years ago, and uh, and now we're we sit. The other thing that uh, headline that just came out, I would tell you within the last thirty minutes, is that President Biden is considering sending troops to both Baltic nations and Eastern European nations in response to this. So um, what do you make of this? I actually, I prefer to like read about history rather than watch it being made. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this is, I think we're watching something pretty darn interesting. But, um, but I think that um, this is serious, you know, they, well, obviously. Uh, do I think he's going to attack you? I think something's going to happen. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, uh, just for starters, is that you know, the Chinese Olympics are coming up uh, just next week, I think, or very soon. Right. And nobody quite remembers it, but back in 888, or 08, in August 8, 2008, uh, that's when the Beijing Olympics started. And Putin wasn't there. Uh, because that's also the day the Russians attacked Georgia. And Putin did come on the 10th, once it, once it was clear that Georgia was going to 
uh, hand over to uh, provinces that uh, Putin wanted. And so Putin showed up two days after the start of the Beijing Olympics and all was well. The Chinese didn't complain or raise a fuss. Uh, you know, they actually, Putin and the, the Chinese leader actually kind of shook hands and had pictures and such like. And so the idea that, you know, with the Chinese Olympics coming up, that that's going to slow them down, I say not necessarily. Uh, you know, obviously, as you've noted, the, you know, the government, the U.S. government, they, you know, have the the intel, you know, and us, we just have like little glimpses of it and pieces of it. But it's the government who uh, knows this and they, uh, you know, you know, who you know, sees everything. And, you know, if they're calling for the the what, evacuation of dependents, that's it's serious. It'd be a little more serious if they were evacuating all diplomats, right. um, and also insisting that Americans not go to uh, to Ukraine. Uh, but the so that's you know I wonder every day every like morning when I turn on the computer to see what's going on. I wonder if this is the day, and you know what you are starting to see in. Um, in Ukraine, is the last week, for example, there's been bomb threats phoned in to uh, schools in um, in, U- in Ukraine. You know, obviously, you know the the Russians trying to rattle people, but also the idea being that, you know, if something starts, that you know it's your children who are going to be dying and not ours. You've got plenty of fifth columnists and subversive elements in in Ukraine. Uh, the U.S. government and some others have actually warned of uh, a provocation by the right. Russians, you know, set sort of um, a false flag attack against, uh, say, pro-Russian forces that they can then blame on uh, the Ukrainians and then they have their excuse to attack. Uh, also, there's talk of trying to engineer some sort of a change of leadership, change of government, uh, you know, prob- you know who, however, involving assassinations and and the like. So the it's not strictly a sort of a, a military threat, but you're seeing these these efforts to soften up the target. And one does wonder, you know, if this is the day. You know, just um, and I don't know that uh, there's anything that the Biden administration has done to really scare off uh, the uh, the Russians. Uh, and the Secretary of State. Uh, Mr. Blinken, he's, I think he was quoted today as on the news saying, if a single additional Russian force goes into Ukraine in an aggressive way, as I said, that would trigger a swift, a, a severe and a united response from us and from Europe. Uh, you know, it's kind of strange language, um, but, you know, I, I don't think that really scares the, the Russians very much. I think they, at this point, have talked themselves into something. Uh, and, you know, it could be that they, you know, don't attack, that they're just happy to have uh, caused everyone this much trouble and in a way humiliated the Americans by making them look uh, weak and indecisive and, and not, not tough. And then also expose the Germans for uh, kind of what they are, which is... I, 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 honestly, I, I think that does yeah. the West a favor. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that has to be sorted out. So, yeah. you know, I mean, Germany threw a fit when, you know, President Trump said, you know, yeah, take all, take our troops out of there. I mean, the front has shifted east. 
you know, Germany's essentially in, in the rear of the whole theater. Mm-hmm. You know, we would be better off to, to be in Poland, you know, and Germany threw an absolute fit. You know, why? I mean, because it would have affected their economy. You know, and then, you know, then the, the Biden administration quickly rolled that. Oh, we're not going anywhere. Well, I mean, when you look at how Germany has subverted NATO, how they don't have a military. And, and, and you know, you, you just read that headline, you know, Germany's and, and, and what's amazing about this, the, the story about their power. Right now, and just listen to this. German dependence on Russian gas has left Europe short of options to sanction Moscow if it invades Ukraine, and it's self-vulnerable should Russia stop gas exports to the West. A two-decades-old decision to phase out nuclear power and, more important, recent moves to cut reliance on coal in an effort to bring down CO2 emissions mean Germany is now more reliant on Russian gas than most of its neighbors, not just for heating but also for power generation. This year, the country's last three nuclear power plants will be closed, just as Germany faces some of the highest energy prices in the developed world. I mean, it's just like crazy shit. All German, it doesn't say that in the article. I said that. All German coal plants are due to be closed by 2038. With cheap gas reliably flowing from Russia for decades, successive governments have never built an infrastructure to import more expensive liquefied natural gas from major exports such as the U.S. or Qatar. The country currently has no liquefied natural gas terminal of its own. And so you, you read that and you think, what in the fuck are they doing? You know, and, 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 you know, this is that whole, the thing about the, you know, Nord Stream, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, right? So now we're going to open up another one and create more dependence. And, and, and you're watching what happens when you allow Vladimir Putin to weaponize your energy supply. And, uh, but, but I, I, what I do think is it is about time that Germany gets called out for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that it's yeah, you've got a point there. That this has, I think, forced the Europeans to to think about things with a little more clarity than they ever have. You know, they did for a few minutes when Mr. Trump was president, and they really leaned on the on the Europeans. But uh, I think Putin has uh, clarified things, as you've as you as you said, uh, is as noted. You know, they I don't see signs of the Germans sort of uh, getting better. Uh, at this, you know, they seem to be doubling down uh, on this sort of thing. You know, recall like the reports last week that they weren't allowing um, other European, other NATO countries to send weapons to uh, weapons of German origin to Ukraine or to transit German territory. It appears uh, the you know, so they they there's something about them that it's gone beyond the stupid um, to the sort of malevolent, it seems. Yeah. and No, to and, will, willfully obstructing and then which is aiding and abetting the Russians. And, yeah. s- and so mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know how you get away from that. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, Germany's obviously a big, powerful country in Europe. Um, it, it couldn't, you know, fight anybody, it, you know, have any hope of winning. I don't know, maybe 
Ecuador could have a fighting chance. Uh, but beyond that, not much. And there's something hey, else don't about un, Don't underestimate the Ecuadorians. Well, yeah, there's, um, but you know, there's something about about this as well that, you know, if you're old enough and you, you know, read enough that uh, the, the Germans have still got the mark of Cain on them. Uh, you know, read what they did in Eastern Europe, in Russia. Western Europe was well as enough in World War II and before. And the to have, for example, the head of VW say not all that long ago that when asked about concentration camps in Xinjiang in uh, Western China or East Turkestan, uh, he said, oh, I hadn't heard of them. And VW does huge business uh, in China. And also the way that German industry with the German government's uh, sort of full approval and support has cozied up to the, the communist Chinese and ignored the human rights angle. And if there is any people on this planet that should keep the human rights angle front and center, shaping their behavior for the next thousand years, it has got to be the Hun or the, the Germans. It, it is absolutely maddening. Uh, the, you know, I, you know, I go to, uh, you know, and I visited my mother's origins in uh, eastern Slovakia and the, the mountains. There's this one town that I've been to called Batehov, which is a really nice little place. And it used to be a trade center centuries ago. And around the main square, the main, there's these wonderful examples of medieval Gotha, medieval architecture, these houses that were, were um, you know, that still exist. Right. And... You know, they're maintained perfectly, and every one of these houses was owned by Jewish people. And, you know, you can guess what's coming. The Germans took them all away and killed 99.9% of them. And the, you know, in all of these these towns used to have a, a Jewish population right. uh, in, in this area, and it's all gone. It's as if it, you know, the neutron bomb hit, but it didn't, didn't wasn't, it is all gone. Uh, but it was because the Germans did it. And they did have local cooperation, but nonetheless, it was Germany. And that was only 75 years ago, uh, which isn't long. And so this is something that I do have an opinion about. You know, when I see the Germans, um, as I say, cozying up to the Chinese, denying human rights, you know, hideous human rights violations, you'd think if any country was, you know, sensitive to the idea of concentration camps, it would be the Germans. Uh, same thing go in what they're doing with the Russians as well to and undercutting, you know, the Western Europe, the, the NATO countries. Yeah, you know, Grant, so I, here the, we are. Yeah, for the life of me, I mean, that confounds me because you don't have to read too much German history um, to, 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 to see, you know, the Germans thought the Russian to be subhuman. <laughs> yeah. And now they're, um, they're vassals. Now they're dancing to, to the tune of Moscow. I mean, to me, it seems incredible. Um, and that the people that, that, that rescued Germany, the people that reunified Germany, or, you know, the Germans turned their back on them now. And I, it's just, to me, um, astounding. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. as a, as a 65-year-old person, you and I are fairly close in age, and you've wa you're watching this, and you're going, you've got to be kidding me. How does this make sense to the German people to do this? And I just, 
I don't yeah. know. I know, you know, there are Germans and then there's Germans and there's, I think, plenty who are not happy with what's being done, but there's plenty who are. Uh, and, you know, that's where we are today. And, you know, it's, you know, that's, I suppose that's history and that's life as it's always been. Uh, but my goodness, if you say, if you're old enough to, for this stuff to be sort of in memory, that it is not easy to take uh, at all. You know, the, you've mentioned the, the German uh, liquid uh, LNG facilities to import the stuff. Right. Um, they actually did start building one at the demand of Donald Trump. And as soon as he lost the election, they canceled it. Uh, I, you know, it, uh, usually when people are being craven, they try to hide it a little bit. Uh, not so with the, the Germans. So, you know. Another uh, qu question, this is a kind of a foreign policy question. Britain is pursuing a bigger role in the Russia-Ukraine crisis, even as scandals besiege Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who I guess goes to party without parties without a mask. Um, but um, I, I want to say within the last 48 hours, Britain um, issued an announcement and saying that they believe that the Russians were plotting to install a pro-Russian leader in Ukraine. Uh, and in a late night announcement that, that came from London and, um, and British officials also said um, they released some sensitive intelligence that was calculated to foil a potential plot and send a message to Mr. Putin. Um, so, and they also framed it as part of a concerted strategy um, um, by Great Britain to be a more robust player in Europe's showdown with Russia. And so, uh, so I, I also think... Um, uh, that that's pretty interesting to watch, um, to watch all of this, and 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 Britain um, is certainly differentiating itself from Germany and France um, by taking such a uh, direct approach uh, and a blunt approach um, in its own uh, on its own behalf. Now that it's no longer part of the EU. Uh, yeah, they have spoken up directly, and the Brit British can still do some good intelligence work. And what's left of their military is, of course, professional, but it has been whittled down mm -hmm. uh, to the point that it is really of, um, of some use, but uh, it's da dang dangerous. Tiny, tiny now, right? Oh, it, it's embarrassing yeah. what it is. And uh, and that happened, actually, I think the Tory, the, the conservative administrations, uh, they actually cut the military probably more than the other, the liberal, or the labor uh, types did. You know, you, you'd think the conservatives would have like sort of slowed things down or tried to rebuild, but no, not at all. So the say so the British military is uh, is reduced to the point that it, you know, I wonder how loudly Mr. Putin and his friends laugh uh, when they think about it. You know, but that said, they, you know, they, they're, you know, they're a good ally and there's things they can do. Uh, and it's better than having them acting like the Germans. Uh, so, you know, we, you know, that's, you know, they've got, they have opportunity to excel uh, if they want to do it. Do you have any sense um, as we watch this thing kind of uh, play out? And uh, certainly um, 
Do you have any sense of uh, of how this goes? You know, I, I think, um, you know, as I said, every day when I turn on the computer in the morning, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Russians had made a push. Um, I would say it's more likely than not. But, you know, a push where is the... Um, is the question. Uh, and, you know, they've, um, you know, one thing to keep in mind is sometimes when everyone's looking in one play direction, it's sometimes good to look where everyone isn't, you know, so you, you never, it's, it's hard to say. And, you know, that's without access to, to the intel. Um, but I could see them trying to uh, sort of pull off some sort of a, a coup de main uh, and, you know, get some, know, toady of whom there's plenty, you know, to sort of set up in the presidential palace and say, I'm in charge now. And then, uh, you know, sort of launch a few, you know, launch some forces across the border. Uh, you can see that, you know, the, the Russians have been, uh, what, what is it? They've um, put most of their Navy out um, to do right, right. exercises and things all from, from Gothenburg, from up in Sweden uh, into the Black Sea and even in the Pacific, they're doing stuff. Yeah, which, but we all know that won't, they won't be at sea very long, okay? Because they can't be at sea very long, okay? It's not a very well maintained Navy. Oh, it's gotten better, I think. Uh, has it? Because, yeah. it, it yeah, ha right? It has been on its ass for a while. Uh, oh, I'm afraid it's gotten better. I, I know what you mean. Um, I say it'd probably be us that can't stay at sea before we, the rust um, causes our ships to collapse. Um, but they've actually gotten better. But, you know, th there's limits, but they, they've gotten better. Uh, they're actually, they've announced that they're going to be doing a live fire exercise to the southwest of Ireland uh, in northern, in uh, early February. And it's within the Irish EEZ, their exclusive economic zone. So it's, um, they didn't just choose the place by random. So they're really out and about uh, flexing their muscles. And, you know, you take all of this together and, you know, I would have to say I, at this point, I think it's likely that they are going to uh, move into some part of Ukraine and just uh, solidify their control um, of it um, would be my if I, you know, if I had to say I, just how it looks to me. And what do you think? Um, so we'll do action, reaction, counteraction. So they move into some part of Ukraine. Uh, what's the re Ukraine reaction? Well, if it's the part of Ukraine where more people speak Russian than not, they may not complain all that much, but the other parts, they won't like it. But we hear all this talk about insurgency and, right. you know, the Ukrainians really digging in and fighting them off. Those things are a little easier to imagine if it's not you having to do them. Um, but that would get pretty nasty. And the Russians have shown themselves uh, to be willing to play nasty if you look at how they behaved in Chechnya, Chechnya, for example. Uh, and the terrain of you, most of you, much of Ukraine doesn't really lend itself um, to an insurgency. Uh, it's just too open. There's not enough places to hide. Uh, so I think the Ukrainians would might find themselves unable to do a whole lot. Uh, they won't like it, but I don't know that they would um, say that you hear 
about it being a quagmire or another Afghanistan. I don't quite see it that way. I think the Russians, if they put their minds to it, um, could uh, grab a place and keep it without much, uh, yeah. much trouble. And then what would the Western response be? Uh, that I think that there will, you know, of course, economic sanctions and statements of profound concern, uh, but there will be all sorts of reasons not to go to war over this. Right. Uh, and that would be my guess is that, you know, we would uh, try to get the Europeans to and others to go along with, you know, crippling sanctions and, you know, and the like. And but I don't know that everyone would. So, so OK, so let's just yeah. let's just suppose that uh, everyone doesn't. And um, and Germany says, yeah, we can't do that. And then, again, Germany's contribution to NATO is not that much. So if we booted their ass out of NATO, <laughs> it doesn't hurt the alliance, right? Because they don't contribute. They, they haven't hit their GDP marks in forever. They don't have a functioning military. They're a joke. So, so, so Germany says, yeah, we're out, which I, which I hope happens because it needs to, because the West needs to look at, and then the EU's got a problem, right? Because the EU has a certain political position, and and then France has a problem. What is what is France's position? So how do you think that all settles itself out? So if, if the if the if the West says we will economically sanction, it's the it's the only tool they have. If they don't do that, then what? More strongly worded, you know, Putin's essentially called their bluff, done what he's done, and says you won't fuck over Germany, and then we say yeah, we really can't. You know, make the Germans who got in bed with the Russians uncomfortable. So, okay, we'll just sit here and wring our hands and issue strongly worded statements. Yeah, I think that's probably how it would play out is that, you know, if you look at it from um, the Russian perspective, if you've got this, you know, what was sort of a unified opposition uh, in NATO and the Americans and the Canadians and the, those Americans to the north of us, uh, that you suddenly got them squabbling with each other, right. can't decide what they're going to do with each other, and they start to, there's real animosity uh, between them. That's kind of what you want your enemy to be doing. And Well, and really what it does is it thwarts um, what you've always pointed out is the most dangerous course of action to both Russia and China, and that is concerted action by the West. Yeah, and... The other it also makes the Americans look ridiculous. Right. You know, the United States could not keep NATO intact, uh, and you know that's it's a it's a, an increment a big incremental uh, gain for the Russians and the Chinese would see all this, and you can imagine the calculations they would be doing is that once again, you know, we can push and push, and nobody will do much about it, other than express grave concern right. uh, and it causes your the other side to start fighting with each other instead of you know, causing them to suddenly say wake up and say look we've got a problem but rather if you uh, do it just you know if you do it right that you um, leave the the, I call it the the appeasement factions and the financial and the business classes leave them with some plausible it doesn't even have to be plausible with some basis for claiming that well, we gotta gotta calm things down, get established some sort of equilibrium. 
but we don't want a war. The last thing we can afford is a war with a nuclear power. Uh, and that's kind of what you want your the other side to be uh, occupied with, uh, rather than occupied with thinking about how they can, in a unified way, um, put the screws onto the Russians or focus, say, on defending Taiwan or what have you. Uh, so that would, you know, there's a, obviously there's a political angle and psychological angle to everything that's going on. And it's possible to focus too much on just the military part of it. Uh, and there's really, there's very, there are very clever people who can really figure out the, you know, the potent, the ramifications of all that. I'm not one of them other than to be speaking, to speak in some general terms. Uh, but you can can imagine it, it is possible to sort of imagine how this will uh, play out. And you you ask yourself to me, I would think is how do the the bad guys, how do our opponents look at us? And it is the United States which is the the big dog. If you can neuter us or what have you, that everything who's going to stop you? You know, if you're particularly if you're China. Uh, if you're Russia, and that Russia-China relationship is a subject in its own right. right. Uh, but for now, I think they've shown they're willing to uh, cooperate and and for you know mutual benefit. Right. And you look at what the Chinese are doing at, all around their border. Uh, and what the, yesterday was the second largest aerial incursion into Taiwan um, sort of airspace uh, yesterday. And the North Koreans are shooting off missiles you know, right and left, and they wouldn't be doing this if the Chinese told them not to. Right, right, so right. there's, you look at the distractions, and then India, the Indian border doesn't get much attention, but the Chinese are really pushing there, and they have laid claim to substantial parts of India, and that too they're going after. And the all of this together, um, you know, <clears throat> it. I doubt it's a coincidence, and I suspect there is coordination to some uh, to some extent, and then throw in the Iranians. And what is it? The Russians, the Chinese, and the Iranian navies are going to be doing an exercise in uh, in their wa nearby waters and into the Indian Ocean. Uh, so... Is, is, is this what the West gets for being naive in the face of um, all these discussions for all these years? Um, you're naive What's that word, naivete? Uh, yeah, you put in like an accent on one of those words. I, <laughs> I don't know which. That's but, why I uh, knew you would know it because, yeah. you know, when you're not playing, you know, yeah. Jed Clampett from, you know, from <laughs> Dumfries, um, you are you play the, you know, the Virginia um, refined gen gentleman. gentleman. From Triumph. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll just, I'll, let me just read it, uh, just a, a quick paragraph. Another illustration is Berlin's approach to Nord Stream 2, which will send gas to Europe from Russia. German regulators say the pipeline can't start working until it meets corporate compliance standards. That has rankled Mr. Putin, who wants it pumping now. In turn, Russia's president, Russian president's Gazprom, which is our national gas company, puppet company, has reversed gas flows through the existing Yamal Europe pipeline for more than four weeks. Russia has also cut off thermal coal supplies to Ukraine for more than three months. Mr. Putin's message is clear. Ukraine better roll over and Germany better approve Nord Stream 2. And so 
so when you when you play action reaction counteraction right and you and so oh well we can't sanction russia too heavily because it'll hurt germany okay let's just say we do and we look at the germans and said hey you've made this bed you're going to have to lie in it because this is the only card we have to play in this fight and if we don't play this card then he gets this essentially for free unopposed and he's got to pay a price for this and so does that cleave nato it, it essentially you know puts nato in an intramural firefight yes i think so yeah. you know, it's already in a in, in a, a fight real, right no you're watching it play out now yeah you know one other sort of interesting little tidbit that hasn't gotten um uh, much uh, attention is that, that just the other day the the Biden administration um, it sort of withdrew U.S. support for a, a pipeline that was going to deliver uh, Israeli natural gas to Europe, uh, going under the Mediterranean to Southern Europe, and what that so you would have had an option to the German sort of dependence, and the Biden administration has closed down that option. Uh, and, you know, they used to talk about Mr. Trump and collusion. Uh, th this is pretty strange. And, you know, they say this has not gotten much uh, attention at all. Uh, the, you know, wh wh what do you say? And there's also a Turkish uh, connection. Uh, that there's another way that gas runs in through Turkey into Europe. And Turkey, we know that they're not quite the ally they used to be. Right. Uh, closer to Russia in some respects than they ought to be. So here you have this one sort of uh, pressure-free uh, pipeline. Uh, it was like over a thousand miles long. It's been, the U.S. isn't backing it now. And that's perplexing. You know, so you, know, you put all this together, and if I was Mr. Putin, I think I'd like my, I'd like what I see uh, right now. Uh, I want to give you a chance to uh, comment. I, uh, this week I looked at the Indo-Pacific Command's website. In fact, I'm staring at it right now, and um, and I'm looking at a host of stories. Not one of them even mentions Tonga and what's going on in 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 the region, and being anything part of a uh, some kind of relief effort for the Tongan people. Um, so, I, what do you make of that? Oh, my goodness. I see a real lost opportunity uh, to... I mean, Grant, to, nothing, yeah. nothing from Indo-PACOM, crickets. Well, I don't know. It, is it a three-day holiday or maybe it's a 96? Uh, no, I'm joking. So the way it, this, it, the way it, this it, happens is, is that the diplomats look at the Pentagon and say, hey, we're going to need your help with this, blah, blah, blah. Is it also possible that if, if the, the military people... Uh, out there uh, believe that this is something that we need to do. We need to extend our assistance um, that w they can go to State Department and say, hey, look, it's it's vital to, to our military interest in the region to show everybody this. You need to make the appropriate overtures so we can uh, so we can we can go help. Um, but nothing. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I don't have any behind-the-scenes right. insights into this, but uh, it it is perplexing. You know, it's what uh, what you're talking about, of course, is Tonga, where this um, 
volcano has blown up with apparently the force of like 500 atom bombs right. or Hiroshima bombs, the, the little ones. Um, but 500 of them is a lot. And it, you know, this has caused a, has rattled them. It's, it's a natural disaster. And, you know, Tonga has gotten, gotten hammered. And the, you, you think, one, you think that we're the Americans and we help, you know, particularly in Asia. This is where we, this is our thing. We've been right. uh, doing HADR operations forever. And the, you know, so we just as, just simple decency and being Americans, you'd think that they'd have, you know, headed down there as, soon as the volcano started rumbling and it was rumbling for a good week, you knew something was coming. Uh, at least, you know, start, have some forces in position uh, down there, put in Muse or what comes to mind with the amphibious ships that are perfect. You know, this is what Muse do is, you know, if they're, if it's not fighting, it's saving lives and they have all the resources to do it. At least head down there and get, you know, be in position. And once it blew, then launch something. And it doesn't seem to have, have happened. And I think the military will say, well, unless State Department gives us the go ahead, State Department will say, well, unless USAID gives us the go ahead, we can't do anything until right. we get a request, until we know exactly what's needed. Uh, and so everyone has an excuse not to do anything. And as you said, I, I th I'm sure there's people at Camp Smith uh, who know exactly what the need is and what the what the requirement and the opportunity is. And they Camp Smith, uh, for those of you who don't yeah. know, is in Hawaii, and it is the head of uh, uh, Marine Forces Pacific. So and yeah, and across the street is the Indo Paycom headquarters okay. uh, in a nice new building. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, there are people who know this, and but uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have have we gotten anything down there or not? Um, USAID, I think, said they're going to send a hundred thousand bucks, which is peanuts and uh the navy has i think sent uss samson which is a ddg a destroyer so if the idea is to say sink the entire australian navy and new zealand navies in an afternoon that samson can probably do it but if it's to save lives sending a destroyer is not the thing right. uh, that you that you send and if right. you read what the situation is in tonga uh, that they've really got uh the, the, what the problems they have are exactly what a Mew can handle. Uh, the Australians have sent one of their amphibious ships, and the New Zealanders have sent a, a couple ships as well. Uh, but the one ship isn't enough, and even with the Austra New Zealanders, that won't be enough. Plus the the expertise at HADR operations. You know, the Americans are the ones who've really got it. But also look at it from Tonga's perspective. You know, when you've gotten hit hard and you all, they all thought they were going to die, that, you know, it's just a good fortune that the, that the casualties were very low, but the damage is considerable. Um, but you, you, you ask yourself, well, who actually came to check on us? Who came and offered to help? Um, you know, who inconvenienced themselves to get here? And it looks like everyone but the Americans. And the for more context here is that China has got its claws into Tonga and this huge influence down there. And there's Tongans who don't like this. And the by their absence, the Americans have sort of ceded the that sort of influence battlefield to the Chinese, given them, you know, the opportunity to dig their claws even in deeper. You can bet the Chinese have already proposed a huge uh, sort of recovery scheme that the Chinese are going to fund and with all the 
good things that come of that. Uh, and the Americans, well, we're still, it still isn't clear what exactly we're going to do, but it, it is a lost opportunity. And you, you can't squander these things, to my way of thinking. And the Americans will say, well, that's okay, because the Australians were there, the New Zealanders, they're friends with us, so every, everything's taken care of. But no, there's no substitute for the, the Yankees actually coming. And the Tongans will notice. Uh, the one thing that's worth um, noting, it's, and I think it's okay, is... Uh, this was a, not all that long ago. There were Tongans who actually suggested the Marine Corps might like to, the U.S. Marine Corps might like to set up an HADR logistics base and training facility in Tonga. Uh, you can think about that. And the Marine Corps was not interested. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you, you think we want to lose. Uh, but I would also put this in a broader context. And, you know, the Americans will will point out that, well, we did a huge naval exercise just now this week um, in the Philippine Sea involving aircraft carriers, USS America, Essex uh, amphibious group, right. and the Japanese sent a ship down there as well. And so we did this big war fighting exercise. And yes, that's nice, but, and it's not unimportant, but you know, you, you're forgetting the political warfare aspect of what's going on in the Pacific. So while we're flexing our muscles in the Philippine Sea, uh, because we couldn't afford to send an, like an amphib ship or two down to Tonga, uh, the everyone else is pitching in to help the Tongans, and the Chinese in particular are taking advantage of that. So we can say, put on these uh, what you call bodybuilding displays all over the place, but if uh, we're being undercut on just about every Pacific island where people are shifting towards the Chinese, and eventually that's going to mean military presence. Uh, well, we're missing, you know, a good half, a good two-thirds of the equation. Uh, and that's, you know, how I see the, the, the Tonga situation, that it's a lost opportunity. Maybe it's not too late, but it's, it's getting there. Uh, All right. What else, so, um, what else has your uh, attention in the Pacific Rim? Oh, boy, what else am I resentful about? Um, Oh, the North Korea thing's interesting because they have finally, they're getting to the point where their their weaponry isn't the sort of stuff you, you laugh off, like something like hillbillies would have put together in their barn. That, but now they're, you know, they, these things they've been shooting off, these are like the Chinese, they look like they're the Chinese version of the carrier killers, you know, that can maneuver and hit um, U.S. ships uh, at sea. And they, so they're, they're technology and their capability is improving and they're, they're they don't seem to care you know and which suggests that in terms of the just the how provocative these seem and i think that is because the chinese have given them the go-ahead uh, to rattle the rat, no, rattle the americans force the americans to really pay attention uh, and prevent the americans from focusing on say ukraine taiwan indian uh, border the South China Sea. So I think that's, say, has gotten um, my attention uh, in particular. And I think that's, so there's been plenty to think about um, this week with the Tonga uh, business and then North Korea, then throw in Ukraine. And someone who like is really good at puzzles would probably be able to make sense of all of this, uh, particularly in terms of what the, uh, well, the enemy countries have have got in mind 
um, for us. So. Well, it seems to me um, what um, what is constantly what you constantly hear is um, you know destroying these alliances is one of the things that that and so by um, you know it's funny um, it just popped into my head but you know we said you know as China gets integrated into the world. You know, it will. You know, it will. It will liberalize liberalize its uh, communist tendencies. It'll become more, you know, more of a liberal socialist government. What has happened, though, is the exact opposite. As the Chinese have become integrated into the world, the world has bent to China, and um, so the exact opposite has happened. And now, what you're seeing is the stress put on. Western democracies that have sold their soul for for Chinese economic gain, right? And now these these ties are getting yanked, and they're finding they're in an awful predicament. And what happens? I mean, this is like such an uncharted question, but what happens if the rules based order? that has existed on the planet since World War II essentially goes away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we going to look like northern New Jersey, I think. But, uh, yeah, well, it, I mean, so... Or L.A. You know, it, Fortress, Fortress America, you know, I mean, uh, England has essentially disarmed itself. Germany has disarmed itself. France has essentially disarmed itself. And so you have a, a bully in Russia that now will be the dominant power on the European continent because they're not afraid to use their military and they've maintained it. Yeah, you know, and you know, plus you you have these countries, and it's really uh, Russia and China, but and China is the one I focus on most. Is that you know, if they get the get the drop or get the upper hand, the the ability to. Uh, really threaten us with death, and and we don't have a real response to it. Um, either we're not willing to, or we just can't. Say so they get somehow get an advantage over us, and it looks like um, you know that they're going to use it. That you could see us just receding, just um, giving up, and saying, "Please leave us alone, or don't hurt us too much, and uh, you know, tell us what our limits are. Tell us what we can." can do and you know it may seem unthinkable but you know why not it's you know will it happen within our lifetime you know there's a lot of things which uh, have happened in our lifetime already that I never thought would happen until I was long gone and I'm planning to be like 140 before I'd leave Um, so yeah this could indeed could happen it's um, as troubling a thing as you can imagine and uh, I even see it domestically in the in the United States, you know. As um, I think Victor Davis Hanson wrote a very good piece on this this week um, about America heading towards systemic failure or something like that. And right. it, it, re- it resonated with me. Yep. Uh, so you you have this. It used to be that you know we could have we could have international issues and concerns and threats, but we I don't ever recall having to worry about the domestic front as much uh, as today. So, Well, I have a theory that 
you know, we're we're having to relearn these lessons that our our, our parents learned and and grew up with. And you know, you have most people that live in the country. You know, you and I are exception uh, exceptions to our are the the people that we went through high school with and that we actually served in the military. Most of our peers, you know, did not. And so, I mean, they pursued their own, you know, fortune and careers with, and in my opinion, you know, they don't really give a shit about, you know, what's going on. I mean, they see it on the news and whatnot. And we have a, a class of professional politicians that takes care of all that, but it's not, you know, it's not real or anything like that. And, um, and so, and so there's this lack of interest and, um, and, and now we're having to relearn lessons that, that, that the nation, you know, defund the police. It was actually a serious consideration. And now the lawlessness that mm-hmm. is running rampant in our cities, Los Angeles, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of, of the way freight, freight trains get looted when they come into Los Angeles. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I have, sure. it's, 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 it's a joke. Uh, and then the liberal policies of district attorneys, there was just a young UCLA student stabbed to death working in a high-end furniture store Mm -hmm. i saw that you know and and you know the murder rates in all of our cities are up and you're watching this and it's like okay at some point the pendulum will swing back and because citizens will be scared and so but how much of this do we have to endure And, and i and i think the same thing will probably happen internationally at some point you know europeans are gonna look around and say you know this is not a good situation for us to be in you know, what, what will Finland say? What will the Swedes say? We'll say, wait a minute. Germany's putting us all at risk because now Russia's emboldened by all of this. If they want it, they'll take it. And so I, I think that, you know, we will have to learn some of these lessons again. You know, the question is, I mean, will a country like China say, you know, we have a window before these fools wake up and rearm themselves? assuming that they would do such a thing and assuming they would see it in their own best interest. And so our calculus needs to be built fast because we have a window that, that will be closing as the Americans, you know, continue their pivot to the Pacific and rearm and, and, and focus it on us. And so if we want Taiwan, you know, we will have to take it within the next five years or yeah. some calculus mm-hmm. like that. Because these pendulums do, you know, I, I wouldn't rightly assume that, okay, NATO's done and it won't, you know, it will not be reinvigorated and countries won't look at this and say, you know what, um, we put ourselves in a very vulnerable situation relative to Russia and we can't do that. And so, or else they will just disarm themselves and allow Russia to do it. But I don't think they would. And so... I, I don't know. I again I it's stunning to me to watch some of this stuff, Grant. And you're right, the parallel between what's happening to NATO and what's happening inside the United States is is absolutely there. And these values that have stood us so well for so long um have been questioned as kind of cast aside as archaic and ridiculous. And then pretty soon you there isn't food on grocery shelves and, and trains are being looted and and uh, your alliance that has, has served you so well for so long is no longer holding up because one of the, your, your nominal major allies who begs you to keep your military in their country um, essentially betrays everybody. And so um, 
yeah, I think there's going to be some learning that has to be done. And I, it's, but it's astounding to watch. Yeah, it, well, I would, I got to think of something optimistic to say, but here's something funny. Well, the, the, but, uh, I have a friend who's from Chicago, and he's like a tough Irish guy. And uh, he used to be at the Marines, too. But he, uh, he sent me something today, and he said, um, uh, I wonder what the U.S. millennial suicide rate will be when the dollar collapses and they face conscription on their way to fight the Russians, Chinese, North Koreans, and Iranians. I hope their Antifa and BLM training provides them an edge you know, on a conventional battlefield, which uh, I thought was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, because of its know, absurdity, it's, right? It, that's just it. You know, the you wonder how you know the, how uh, divine providence is going to get us out of this one. Uh, but as I say, I prefer to read about these things in the history books rather than have to no, fret well, about them. Let myself. me just tell you, we're there now. Yeah. And, let me ask you one more question, Gret, and I'll let you go. You've been very generous with your time tonight. Um, did you watch the president's press conference a week ago? No. It's the same reason I don't um, subscribe to the Washington Post. Uh, is My blood pressure is already like at 200 over 190, uh, which I think is a lot. But, uh, so. I, think, I think you're right. I saw little clips of it, but, um, so I didn't see the whole thing. I say I just couldn't bear to watch it. The clips that you watched, um, I assume that he was speaking of, you watched a little bit about when he spoke of Ukraine. Yes or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, Grant, you've been a part of briefs, right? When, when we brief as a command, let alone the nation, there's certain things we say, certain positions we take because we're Americans. And to hear him stand there yeah. and muse like he was developing an answer to the mm -hmm. most likely question that would have been foreign policy question that was going to be asked of him was absolutely jaw-dropping. And I just, it, it was, it's like, what are they doing? What in uh, God's yeah. name are they mm -hmm. doing? So if, I just, well, yeah, if, if um, say, Mr. Trump had said it, you, can you imagine no. The uproar, you know, he's uh, he's an idiot. He's stupid. He's colluding with Putin. He loves. Yeah, what, what what there would have and, been was you know, there would the, have been all the collusion talk, oh. and 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 Biden, who's 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 dropped our opposition to Nord Two and all the rest, right? And you've seen what he's done. You know, there's no question whether Joe Biden's, you know, somehow or other, you know, they've got something all on him. Although you hear that more and more. Uh, written now by serious people. Yeah. That, well, that... I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, you know, you listen to what that part that I heard, you know, that it, he gave, Mr. Putin must listen to this and think that, well, with Mr. Biden, man, there's, he's either not with it or nobody's going to stop me. Uh, it does simplify the planning, I think, from the Russian perspective to have a pretty good sense that the other side isn't going to do much. Right. Uh, this is language that a president just cannot use. And but you'll hear nobody's on. Nobody has really gone after him on this. And his obviously his side uh, doesn't seem all that concerned. But it was horrifying. It was like Dean Acheson, you know, saying, well, I don't think Korea is something we're going to defend. He didn't use that language, but it was kind of the same thing. And I don't, it's hard to see how we're going to get out of this. I presume we will somehow. 
but that you know, the, these little bits well, of the press I mean, conference but, but, I saw was not. Yeah, but look at the look at the landscape. So you're going to get out of it with Germany no longer part of NATO, or or NATO if Germany still mm-hmm. is a part of NATO, and 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 Germany's essentially betrayed NATO because it's it it's taken any. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, depending on how that's resolved. Because if you don't economically lay the wood to, to Russia, because you can't because it will impact Germany, then you're simply, you've been emasculated <clears throat> as, yeah, as, like, as, as an alliance. And, and you don't have any juice. So you've got to do that. And then it's going to cost you. Ger- and again, ger- the German participation in it, I mean, we should look and be real about it and say, you know what? Send it all to Poland like President Trump was going to do. That's right. I would give them the Gaelic sneer as well. If I, <laughs> like, like that's what I turn become a Frenchman for a minute. But uh, it, you, know, you, you got to wonder, you know, when a country goes from 2,000 tanks to 200 and most of those don't work and goes, you know, its Navy could fit into like that dock down in southeast D.C., you know, where you pull up to go to the Senators games or Nationals games. It, it's kind of a joke, you know, it's so, and this is all, it's been happening over a number of years. Right. The Trump administration was the first one to really try to get rough uh, with the Europeans. And they were accused, of course, of not understanding diplomacy, irritating our allies, but right. they were the first one to do it. And they had some success, didn't have long enough, but this has been a bipartisan achievement uh, to get uh, NATO to where it is today. Uh, and say they the Trump people tried to do something and um, yeah well now now what we're what we're watching is possibly uh, the fracturing of NATO yeah and uh, and then that isolates the United States and that is the end game for Putin you know and I'm sure he he kind of watches this and thinks um, holy smokes this is actually going to work this is actually going to work. I think you're right. It's you know how you sometimes you start with a you know just a complete bluff, right? And you don't think you're going to get very far, but you're just doing out of orneriness. And right. then you see, well, you know, bit by bit, you see, wow, I can actually do this, yeah. and I will get a lot of stuff. I will be a lot better off than I was. They're going to the actually, more, they're going to actually go for this. Holy the more shit! I, the more I push, the more I get, right. and you know, and then it's and it's going to leave my enemies. The you know, really in a position where they cannot resist. They'll have to keep doing these things, uh, these making these concessions, and they'll just be even more and more discombobulated. And it really, it'll be like Europe historically was uh, until, right. say, 1946 right. uh, or wherever, whenever NATO started. So, um, you know, what's not to like if you're, you know, Putin? No, it's uh, no, but, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so we, I, you know, we do need to wake up. Yeah. No, but again, how, how, again, I, I'm of the opinion that um, talk is 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 useless. Um, you know, the question is going to be, will will, you know, this is this has long been forecasted by people. This this what what Germany's what Russia's doing. People have said, well, what you're doing is giving them the ability to do these things. Well, we are at those things actually happening right now. And mm-hmm. it's all come to fruition. And yet we wanted to play that this would never be. 
And so Germany is going to have to make a decision whether it will be some benign enabling force in Europe. And then I think it, it, the European Union has to take a look at Germany and, and, and or maybe all of Europe will roll over for Vladimir Putin. I don't know. So, but it is certainly interesting watching history. Did you finish your predictions? When are we going no. to get that? Uh, soon. Pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the I've got the draft down. But oh, uh, yeah. That, see, I've yeah, um, have always found it like instead of like doing stuff, I've always found it easier to think of excuses. <laughs> and uh, that um, I forget what my excuse is here, but the uh, I have some excuse. I just can't think of it. So but, I'm not quite dead. But, but you I, have a draft. That's right. And I figured out that the t China against Taiwan one. Oh, you did? Uh, that, yeah, I have, the, I have my prediction. Wow. All right. All right. Well, Grant, first of all, um, again, breaking news uh, tonight uh, relative to uh, uh, family members of diplomats and, and some non-essential personnel being ordered out of Ukraine. Um, also, the Brits are sending arms to uh, Ukraine in a bit of a uh, stand-up um, uh, move by them. And uh, so uh, we shall see um, what this all begets and history happening in front of us. And with the big question is, the rules-based order of the post-World War II world is now at risk. Yeah. And, and if Russia, with their small economy, is able to do this, is able to roll NATO, then what in God's name will China do? And I guess we'll stand by and watch it. So, And you can do commentary on it. You can, you can do color commentary on it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, if you get me those tickets, I'm still waiting for them. But, uh, no, I'll I'm do, joking. I'll I'm do joking. that. Oh, I'm, joking. I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. No, I'm, I've always got an opinion. It takes me about a week for the resentments to build up, and then I have things to say. Well, you predict, but again, I in in, in you predicted and and quite rightly, you know, charted this path, and you know, you've you've illustrated these points of what happens when you underestimate totalitarian states and and what their real intention is and what they will do. And, um, and again, these predictions have been out there for decades, and now we're seeing them, you know, we're now seeing them come to fruition. And so um, I think it scares the shit out of, certainly of me. What, what does that world look like where China dominates it? What does, that, what does that look like for free nations around the world? And I think it's pretty, pretty scary. So. Yeah. So anyway, all right, Grant, thank you very much. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Always glad to talk. There you go. All right, Grant. See you. Okay. Right here. Out here. That is Grant Newsham here on a uh, Monday morning, recorded Sunday night. And uh, no, um, stunning developments coming from around the world. And um, so we will, uh, we will continue to watch them. Grant's awesome. So uh, we'll stay posted.
but pretty amazing stuff. And we talked about Germany being a freeloader for a long time on this program. And again, it's po just pointing out the obvious. You know, the German people, I'm sure, are wonderful people. But as a nation, um, they put, they are enabling Russia. They're destabilize, destabilizing Western Europe. And so, to me, um, that should have an impact. And I think the United States ought to take economic action against Germany if all this comes to pass. Yeah. So your Mercedes and your BMW, they might be going, the cost of them might be going up. Yeah. For those of us who don't buy too many German products, I don't know either vehicle. Yeah. Fucking do it yesterday. So the free people of Ukraine that have been free for a generation are now going to have to look, live under Russian rule and that system again. Because you have countries like Germany that want cheaper gas and they want to sell into the Russian markets. They essentially sell Ukrainians for money. Disgusting. And again, absolutely fucking disgusting. So on that note, I'm Mike McNamara of the Submarine Radio. Have a great day. If I can help you help somebody that's going through a difficult time relative to trauma, don't be afraid to reach out. And uh, say a prayer for your democracy. Because uh, the rules-based order of the, of the Western world is, uh, is at risk. And we will see what happens. So on that note, I'm out. Have a great one. <laughs>